the Lord. We're going to continue this morning and looking into the, the book of Haggai, the small little pocket rocket. It is so packed, compact with so many things that we can learn of. We remember this prophet came to the nation and he started talking about to the nation. And uh, there's four sermons caught up in this, four sermons in this short little book. We saw a few weeks ago wrong priorities that led to procrastination. And who remembers what he said there in chapter 1 verse 6? He says, you have so much and bring in a little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. And that tells me, if I look at these people, busy life, working so hard. I can just imagine for myself... If I've got a bag full of holes, it takes a lot of hard work to fill that bag up. Isn't it right? People just keep on working, keep on working, trying to keep it up. And, and you know, he says, you have sown so much, but you bring in a little. Maybe, I don't know, in those days, people were working two or three jobs. And they were time poor. Why? Because they had to work so hard. Isn't that how some people feel today? If you talk to people today and you run into them and you say, how are you doing? First of all, they say, not too bad. And you know, I'm not going to start with that one. But how are you doing? What's going on? And, and what do they say? Busy. I'm so busy. I'm so run off my feet. And it feels as if I'm just working and working and I'm coming nowhere. Well, it's not different in that day. That particular verse tells me that. They're working so hard, but they've got so little to show. And what happens? If you work hard and you don't rest and you stress, what happens? You become sick. The body eventually gets drained. Your, your defenses mechanisms in the body just gets drained and you are so acceptable to diseases and everything we are living in a time now where it's the most stressed people of all times. Yet we've got social media which was supposed to connect people, but it's actually driving people further apart. You see, the mankind think it's got all the answers to make life easy. It's not true. We find it in a small book like Agai. They work so hard. You run into them in the lift, it's busy. John Busy Shipman. Yes, you can put busy in with everybody. That's everybody's last name. And it happened with these people. But here is the thing. This prophet came to them with the word of the Lord and he says the reason for that is your priorities is not right. You're working so much on yourself and you are neglecting God. The one the only one who can help you in all of these circumstances, you are turning your back on Him. And then you expect that when you pray a five-minute prayer, that He's going to be there for you. That's our world, isn't it? 
because it becomes so busy in your everyday life and you say, but preacher, I have to support my family. What are you trying to say here that I'm stuck doing all of that? That ain't what I'm saying. But your time is so consumed by yourself. You are building for yourself a paneled house. You are All your time is focusing on yourself that you're neglecting God. The only one who can give you peace. The only one that can give you peace and rest. He says it there. He says, cast your burdens unto me. That's what he say. Cast them. But you see, people cast their burdens unto Him, but they've got a small little fishing line connected to it. If all of a sudden people feel free, well, what am I going to do with all of those time? Oh, no, that's not. I'm so used to it. There's another thing about humankind. We get so used to things, isn't it? We adapt so quickly, like these people did. Their own priorities. And then... He says to them in his second sermon, he says to them, stop looking back. Not only are your time poor, but you are so worried about the time of the past. You are so busy. You work so hard. You are so drained. You are so worried. You take a handful of medicine just to get you going. You drink V and Red Bull and energy drinks. And you drink coffee. You know how many people in the morning they read from that Bible, coffee? Oh, just give me a cup of Java coffee and I'll be going. That gets me going. All of these things. But then also, to add on top of that, it is the stain of guilt about the past. We've heard that last week. It's not only the bad things that chases people down like hound dog, but it's also some of the good things. Oh, we've had it so good back in the day. I dread the day of today. But that sermon says we need to live for today. Because you can do nothing about yesterday and nothing about tomorrow. You can hope for tomorrow, but nothing you say today will help you tomorrow. Nothing. I mean, a week from now. A week from now you've got that very important appointment you need to go to. You're already fretting out about it. You're already having a conversation in your head and in your heart about that meeting two weeks from now. You know what happens? I'll tell you something that happens. You, can, you, you know what I'm talking about. You turn up there, you've got the script written out, you've gone over that script so many times about that meeting two weeks from now, you walk in there and it's a total different script. And you've wasted all that time for two weeks about the future. Now this is the thing. Now he's going to give us a third sermon today. All these things is there to help us today. Remember, the Bible has got a threefold application. It's a local application. He was writing this and he had the word of God for the people in their day. It's also a prophetic application. And I just now, for the last five minutes, explained to you that we are living in similar times than them. We are also time poor. We also have all of these things. So it was prophetic talking to a people ahead, to us. But then also a personal application to everybody here today. This message I'm going to preach today will have a personal application to you, different from the person next to you. 
So never ever come into church and say, Preach it, brother, my wife needs to hear this. Or preach it, brother, my husband needs to hear this. Oh, I'm so sorry that person is not in church today because this message is for that person. So guess what? This message is for nobody else but you. You personally. I think I had to say that. Now let's read further on. We're going to read in chapter 2, verse 10. In the book of Haggai, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, you see there is that title again, the Lord of all of the armies in heaven and earth. Now ask the priest concerning the law. Wait a minute. This is important, don't miss it. He says, now ask the priest according to the law. Oh, where is he going? Let's see. Saying, verse 12, If anyone carries holy meat in his fold, in his pockets, of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Pause. Think. Think what he's saying. Then the priest answered and said, No. That particular piece that he touches won't become holy. Verse 13, and Haggai said, if, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Where is this coming from? Remember what he said. When the Lord started speaking, he says, now ask the priest it's concerning the law he asked two questions concerning the law the second question is about the unclean who touches a dead body he says if that person touches anybody else so the priest answered and he says it will be unclean verse 14 then Haggai answered and said so is this people so is this people and so is the nation before me that is hard work, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. And now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before the stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord. Something we need to think about. Verse 16, since those days, when one came to heap at 20 epaphs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and with mildew, and hail in all of the labors of your hand. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. You did not turn to me, says the Lord. Verse 18, consider now, from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? And yet the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you. The Lord bless the public reading of His Word. Let's thank Him. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for your word. Though I say nothing now, get in my car and go home. I know that your word will go out and it will accomplish everything that is purposed for and will not return back void. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I pray now that you will use me as a vessel, Lord, as a weak vessel to preach this word today, a serious message. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about his third sermon here. And the third sermon is the consequences of unconfessed sin. The consequences of unconfessed sin. That is what he just gave them. That is what it's all about. My brother came to the table and what did he talk about this morning? At the table he talked about sin. Jesus Christ came to this world, to this earth. Why? For one purpose only is to what? To take away the sin of the people. So sin is the issue. How can you get rid of sin? Here, back in the day of Haggai, he was talking to them about three things. Missed priorities. They procrastinated. They were looking back. And now he comes to the third one. And it's all about sin. Unconfessed sin. We find it these days so easy that people stand up and they say that they are Christians, but there's no, no confessing of sins to the Lord. And this is so important. Why is it important? Because it's written in your Bible. Sin runs like a fine line from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. Yet, so many people and so many churches do not preach sin anymore. You know why? Because they say if you start preaching sin in churches, the people will run away. No, no. We need to love the people. We need to accept them. We need to be seeker-sensitive and seeker-friendly. Well, I don't believe in that. Because the Bible, most from Genesis, chapter 3, it runs right through to the book of Revelation. And the only one who will get rid of sin is Jesus Christ. He did on the cross, but he's going to come back to this earth, sit in Jerusalem, and for a thousand years, he's going to reign from there. Amen? So, unconfessed sin. But let's first talk a little bit about sin. This word that a lot of people don't want to talk about. First, we need to understand sin a little bit better. What is sin? That is the question. If you ask people, a lot of people will have different answers. Sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against a divine law. It's an immoral act. The Bible describes it as a transgression of the law of God. So it's a transgression of the law of God. Remember? When the Lord spoke to me in this third sermon, He says, And now speak to the priest concerning what? The law. That's what he said to them. And sin is transgressing that law, is breaking that law. Now we're going to learn a few things about that this morning. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 4, and by the way, I've got just scripture verses. I thought this morning, I'm not going to tell you stories, okay? I thought I'm going to give you one scripture verse after another. So that you can't sit there and say, oh, but preacher, you know what? It's your thinking, it's what you... No, no. This is what the Word of God says, okay? And that's what I'm going to give you, a lot of scripture verses. Somebody said to me once, no, 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 you can't put in too many scripture verses. The people will fall asleep. I say, yeah, you haven't sat in our service. Services. Amen? No, let the Word of God speak this morning. 
1 John chapter 3 verse 4, he says, Whoever commits a sin, in other words, a transgression of the law of God, whoever commits a sin also commits lawlessness. That sentence actually repeats itself, isn't it? Because we know now that a sin is the transgression of the law of God, but then John comes and he says, they commit lawlessness. In other words, you're not abiding the law. And sin is lawlessness. That's a clear definition in the Bible. It is people who think they can live their lives just according to their own laws. But the law which is the plumb line here is the word of God. That is the law. And that needs to be abided by. The Greek word that he uses here for sin is the word har- hamartia. Hamartia. And hamartia means to miss the mark. Now I'm not a dart player, but I know there's people in the church who plays darts. But if you look on a dart board, there is a bullseye. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Now a bullseye is the mark. Now, to explain this, or try to explain this to you, so I'm not a very good darts player. I haven't played dart for so many years. But if I stand there and I practice every day, and I practice every day for the next five years, and I become a very, very good darts player, this muscle is growing that big because I just hold up my arm there, and I keep my eye in. To be successful in this place is to hit that bull. 10,000 times out of 10,000 times. How difficult is that? If I say to you, can you hit the bull once? Oh, yeah, I can hit the bull once. I've practiced so many times. Hit the bull five times for me in a row. You might get somebody out there who's a world champion. He goes, man, I can do that easily. Boom, 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 five times. Let's put the odds up. Can you do it 10 times in a row? Perhaps somebody comes 10 times. They say, okay, let's multiply that by 10. Do it now. Multiply that. No, no. You see, the word here means to miss the mark. And the mark here, my brothers and sisters, is the law of God. And let me tell you, we've missed the mark. Doesn't matter who you are, we've all missed the mark. And I'm going to show that to you right now. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes about this. He says, and you, he's talking to us, he made alive. In other words, the first thing that we learn about sin is sin makes you dead spiritually. Yes, you might be walking around and we all see you and you're smiling and you're happy and everything. But if you are walking in sin and not born again, you're a dead corpse walking. That's what it is. Spiritually, you are dead. This is what he's saying there. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. You see that? And sin. The word there for trespasses means to cross a line. It's a place where you're not supposed to be. The Bible, the law of God, draws up these lines where you're not supposed to go over. And the word there for sin is the same word, hamartia, which means to miss the mark. So Paul says there's two things we've done. We cross constantly, we go into places where we trespass, and secondly, we miss the mark. And which you once walked according to the course of this world, look at this now, according to the prince of the power of the air, 
the prince who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So no good you pointing fingers at others. We were just the same. But look at this now. We were dead in these things, in three things that, that influenced us. The world, the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, and our own flesh. That is where it runs. Sin. But there is a foundation for sin. And the foundation starts in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, when Satan came into the garden and approached Eve, he said to her, you can eat from that tree. Surely you will not die. God just wants you not to eat from that tree because you will be like God. So I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that the biggest problem of mankind is they want to be like God. Everybody wants to be its own God. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. You see that? It's a selfish desire. It was pleasant to the eyes and the desire to make one wise. Those three things is still attacking the child of God today, you and myself, those three things. That is the foundation that leads to sin, those three things. It is good for food, it satisfies the tummy, it's pleasant to the eyes, satisfying the brain, and it makes one wise. That's pride of life. You see, but this goes over into the New Testament. 1 John. John writes about this. He says in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world. You see, there is the world again. Nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen now, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. You see that? These are the same things that Eve came across. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. There you go. Started in the Garden of Eden, the food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable in my eyes, and he talks about it in the New Testament. And here we sit in 2019, and guess what three things are there still? What is there still? It is those three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It wasn't only John who was speaking about that. It was Paul himself in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, You, that's us, the church, among whom also were once conducted ourselves to what? The lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, that's the eyes, and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, have a look at this now. Don't miss this. Because some people say, Oh, but you know what? These little beautiful babies, they are born and they are innocent and they, not, they haven't fallen under this. No, no. Paul uses a word here which is interesting. He says, by nature, they were children of wrath. That, my brother and sister, means that you and I were born with a nature that these things attack, which is in us. You say, but babies, no, no, they are, they are all perfect. No, no, they were born with this nature. I've seen it with my own children. That little baby is born, and I'll tell you what, 
from nappy states, they start throwing tantrums. And I ask you, who, who taught them those tantrums? Who taught them? Is it, is it, did they, when they were a few months old, see mom falling down on the ground and go, ah! and go, oh, I need to pick up on that? Did they see dad going, no, I need to do that? Did they do that? Where is that coming from? I wonder. Where does it come from when they want the things and they go, where does it come from? It's all about me. It was from nature. They were born that way. He said, oh, but they look so sweet and so... Don't we call them angels? Look at the little angel. And they're lying there and say, yeah, just wait a minute and I get all the functions of this whole body and I'll show you a thing or two. <laughs> and that nature set in. You see, he says it right here. He says, by nature, we were children... Children of wrath. Now the question is then, who sinned? Who sinned? That's a good question, isn't it? Because I, I meet so many people, they say, no, I haven't sinned. You know, I'm perfect. I'm a good man. Well, we, let's walk down Romans then. Romans says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all, everybody say all. What does all mean? Well, all means all, Okay. That was easy. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does that mean the babies? Yes. Does that mean you? Yes. Does it mean me? Yes. Every single man that was born upon the face of the earth sinned. It is so, it is so. Let, let me just, I, I'm not going to open up there, but let me, you can go and check it up. In Genesis, God made Adam according to whom? To his likeness, didn't he? God said, let's make man in our likeness. And what did he do? He made Adam. Adam, and out of Adam came Eve. He says, let's, he looked at Adam, he says, not good that a man is alone. So he made Eve out of Adam. And then sin entered in. And now you can go and look at the end of chapter 3, and it says that who was born, the first child who was born, was born in the image of Adam, in the fallen nature. In that nature of wrath. So please don't look at the little babies and go, you're not an angel anymore. They are so beautiful, aren't they? But look at this now. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Paul writes it. He says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all. Everybody say all. What does all mean? Well, all. It means all. Because... All. Everybody say all. I think we get the picture. All have sinned. Now you say, what about the Old Testament? The psalmist writes this in Psalm 53. Listen to him here. He says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men. Who's that? Well, let me show you. The children of men is all. So God looks down from heaven upon the children of men... To do what? To see if there are any who understand and who seek God. That is an interesting test, isn't it? To see if there's anyone who understands and seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. How many? Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, not one. 
I've seen babies born. Have you been there when they come out of the womb? Have you ever seen a baby coming out of the womb and go, Praise the Lord, I'm going to serve you forever. Praise the Lord. No, no, those crises. I'm hungry. Where? I'm hungry. Pick me up. Clean my diaper. I'm hungry. That is what it is. People go astray. This is the stain of sin that we were born in. We're getting somewhere. I'll, I'll take you there. Because... I showed you what sin is, and this is, there so many scripture verses. I had to leave some out, okay? Otherwise, I would keep you here the whole day. But hopefully, the Word of God speaks in your hearts today. It's clear as daylight. Sin, and who sinned, and now the question is, what is the solution to sin? What covers, or what uh, uh, is the solution? And, and it comes confession unto salvation. There's two things that I want to explain to you. One is confession unto salvation. My brother said it. It's written in the word of God there in John. You must repent. You must be born again. That is where salvation, that's where confession comes unto salvation. And let me say that when I hear people testify about their Christian life, I listen. I listen for when they say, when I confessed my sin to the Lord. I listen for that. Because I'll tell you one thing about confession. It takes humility to confess. It takes a humble heart to say, I am wrong and you are right. You test it in your own relationships. So many people know they're wrong, but they push to be right. They won't humble themselves. So confession starts with a humble heart, with a broken heart before the Lord. And let me also say this. Confession is when you see your sin through God's eyes. And you understand how filthy you are before a perfect God. This is what it is. The self-pride. I showed you those three things that operate in people. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, and, and you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. So what is the solution to sin? It was He. Who is the He? Jesus was manifested. That word manifested means He lived amongst us. We could touch Him. This is what John says. He says, that whom we've seen, whom we've touched, whom we've heard, that we declare unto you. So what is the solution to sin? It is Jesus Christ. And Him only. Him only. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9 he says that if you confess, there's our word there, with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believes in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, this is a confession unto salvation. Unto salvation. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe, brother and sister, that if you come to the Lord through the Holy Spirit who pulls you to Him, you confess your sin to Him. You say, Lord, I'm changing my mind about the sin I'm doing. I'm seeing it the way that you're seeing it, and it is hateful in your eyes. You know, Matthew and I spoke before the service about altar calls. I remember back in the day when I was young, I responded on an altar call. But you know why I responded on an altar call? It's because for a, for a moment I saw how filthy I was before the Lord. 
And I walked out and I honestly said, Lord, I can't continue like this. Look at the filthy rags that I am. And here I was all my young life thinking I'm this perfect person. And I had to bend my knee before the Lord and cry out and say, Lord, please forgive me for sinning against you. But the problem is the altar call has been hijacked by people who wants to build churches up with numbers and say, you just come out for two minutes, say a prayer after me, and off you go, you're safe. That's not how it works. You need to have an understanding about sin. If you don't understand sin, don't just come out for two minutes and pray. You are wasting your time. Sorry to tell you the truth. People don't understand sin because they don't hear sin anymore. You see, sin means I'm lost and I need a Savior. That's what it means. I'm lost and I can't save myself because nothing that you do is acceptable to God. Nothing. You've got nothing. Listen, let me tell you, God doesn't need you to be God. God doesn't need you to be holy. God doesn't need you to be sovereign. But you need God. Brother and sister, you need God. Theo said it from the table. Those people were sitting under slavery in Egypt. Egypt represents sin. S-I-N, sin. Breaking the moral laws of God. That's what it represented. And that whole picture of taking a nation out of sin, out of bondage, into liberty, into freedom, was going to come through the covenant, through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't save yourself. Nobody can. There's only one who can do it, and that's Jesus Christ. But it comes via you seeing that you are falling short of the glory of God through your own sin. This is the message this morning. I know it's a hard message. I know these people, once you start preaching this, the veil comes up. They, they get disconnected. Why? Because the problem today is people don't want to. They want to acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. This is what it is all about. He says, if you confess this. Now, this, this confession here is unto salvation. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 6. He says, to the praise of the glory of His grace. That is Jesus by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. If you keep on living in your sin, you will not be accepted to the Beloved. Who's the Beloved? It's the Father. You are not accepted if you're not making accepted through Him. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His glory. So this is the confession unto salvation. And let me say to you, brother and sister, when you come to the cross and you bow and you confess your sin to the Lord, the Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And you know what He does? He takes your sin and He washes it away. The Bible says, you know what? He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. It's not the sea of forgetfulness in the Bible. That's what I've added in there. God doesn't fish it out again. It's like the east is from the west. You are forgiven. You are saved. You are born again. Oh, what a wonderful salvation it is. This nation who was sitting there under the, the chains of, of Egypt was freed. That last night... 
You know what it says in that passage as you go and read it? They ate that meal with their, with their traveling clothes on them, ready to go. Ready to go. Ready for freedom. Praise the Lord. You know, when you share the gospel to somebody in the street, when you share the and I've been, I've been there, when you share the gospel to people and the Lord saved their souls right in front of your eyes. You know what? Their soul don't want to dwell around the old moldy things anymore. Their soul is ready to go. Their souls is ready to go into the freedom of Christ. So why are you still sitting then this morning if you haven't confessed the confession of salvation under those old moldy old sin and those chains. Why? Your soul this morning is ready to go into the freedom of Christ. Let me just say this. What's inside of you manifests it on the outside. The Bible says what the heart is full of comes over your mouth, isn't it? Why? Salvation is so wonderful. It is so wonderful. But there's a second confession that I want to talk to you about quickly. And this comes back to Haggai. And this is the confession to stay in fellowship. Don't get this mixed up. Don't get this mixed up. The first one is a confession unto salvation. You must be born again. When you confess your sin for the first time above Him, He comes and He cleans you. He comes and He forgives you your sins. But there's a second one I want to talk to you about. is confession to stay in fellowship with the Father. Let me read the word. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, you see, the whole passage there goes about fellowship with the Father. John comes to them again. I've repeated that verse. He says, Him who we've seen, Him who we've touched, Him who we've heard, it's Him whom I'm declaring to you. And I want you, this is my words, this is my paraphrase, I want you to have fellowship with Him. That's what John is saying. I'm only a signpost here and I go. I'm telling you about Jesus Christ whom we've saw. He's with the Father now. I want you to have fellowship with Him. Oh, fellowship with the Father is the most sweetest thing that you can have in life. Those people in the days of Haggai didn't have that. A lot of people today in the world don't have that. And maybe people in this room today are not having that fellowship with the Father. And I'm saying to you today, it's sweet fellowship with the Father. He says it here, if we say we have this fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, what are we doing? What are we doing? You are kidding yourself. We are kidding ourselves if we walk in darkness. He says, you lie. You're a liar. And do not practice the truth. So what is John on about here? He says, wait a minute. Maybe you've had the, the, the confession of salvation. You call yourself a child of God. But you're still conducting these sinful things. You are still breaking the law of God. You are still morally going over and missing the mark. Hamartia. You're still doing that. You are lying. You are breaking fellowship with the Father. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, oh praise the Lord, there's our word again. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two things here, two things. Don't miss this. He says He forgives us our harmatia. And then He says He will cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. 
This happens instantaneously. Unrighteousness is a way of living your life. That's your lifestyle. You can put the word lifestyle in there. So what is he saying? Confess your sin. Let the Holy Spirit help you then to live your lifestyle according to God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, isn't it? Now, when I do that, I stay in fellowship with the Father. I stay in fellowship with the Father. I stay in fellowship with the Father. I can't say it more enough because it's the sweet fellowship of the Father. But you confess your sin. You know, I, I know a man uh, and I had the pleasure and the privilege of serving with him in New Zealand. Uh, um, Pete Compton. He was a missionary in Caledonia for 38 years. And the last five years of his life, he came back to New Zealand. He was a Kiwi. And he fellowship. One day he just walked into the church and he started fellowship. The Lord led him there. I've learned so much from this man. And I had the privilege of laying him to rest when he passed away later. Just a privilege. But you know what Brother Pete always said to me? He said, keep short account with God. I love that. Keep short account with God. In other words, keep on confessing to God. Keep on praying with God. And then what he said to me, which I've learned, don't lie to God. Be honest. Be honest to God. If you're not feeling well that day, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm not feeling well. I need your help here. If you miss the mark and you know you're missing the mark, go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've missed the mark. I've failed. How many times did Peter do it in the book or in, in the Bible? John Mark. John Mark, which, which I'm praying about, and in a few weeks we might start with the Gospel of Mark. I think that's a beautiful book to preach through. In a few weeks we might start with that. Both those men. Peter took such a liking in John Mark. Paul didn't like John Mark because he ran away one day on a missionary trip. But both those men... Peter took a like in him, and I wonder why did Peter take a like in John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. I wondered that, and then I realized both of them made mistakes in their lives. But God's not looking at your mistakes. God's not looking at your faults. He's looking at your confession. That's what He's looking at. And be honest with Him. Say, Lord, I've messed up. I failed you, Lord. Just, but just be honest. He says, if you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you sin. Proverbs 28 verse 13. He says, He who covers his sin will not prosper. Now we're getting back to Haggai. Remember what when we started today? We said, we said that all of these things happened. They worked so hard. They had to work double, three times, four jobs just to get something in the bag because the bag's full of holes. You know what the Proverbs say? He says, When he who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses, there's our word again. I think the Lord has got a message in this, don't you? If he repeats something over and over again. But whoever confesses and forsake them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Calamity. Now let me just say here, okay? Because these people who preach this kind of gospel... That we serve God so that He can prosper us and we can all drive around with brand new cars and 
gold watches and rings and things around your necks and we've got pockets full of money. That's not the prosperity he's talking about here. But God will prosper his children. Look at Abraham and look at all of those. There is place for that. We're not preaching. Look, we don't come to the Lord and serve the Lord to say, Lord, what can you do for us? That is the biggest problem in churches today. People coming to church and say, Oh Lord, what can you do for us? I'm just going to bend my knee, pray a two-minute prayer, say I'm born again. So what can you do now for me, Lord? That's the biggest problem. This is not what I'm preaching today. This is not what these men were writing down. This is not what the Spirit of God was writing down. It's not what God can do for you. And I hear it so many times. And people pray and say, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, Oh Lord. If only you can do this for me. If only this one thing, I will serve you for the rest of my life. That's not it. No, no, this is, you come to Him and you serve Him and you confess. For what reason? Because you love Him. Hallelujah. That's why we do it. And if, listen to me, and if He prospers you, you want to know what I'm saying? Mercy and grace to you. And if, like so many other people who serve Him with everything in their lives, and I see them and I say, Lord, I don't know. They go through sicknesses, they go through pain, they go through hardship in their lives, but they serve the Lord. And you know what some people say these days? They say, no, they are not born again. They, they don't serve the Lord because they're not prosperous. That's what they say. But I say, but if the Lord wants your path to be that, you will have peace in those days. That will surpass all understanding. People will look and say, I can't get it. You are struggling your life through. Are you still serving God? Job, look at you. You're sitting there full of boils on, on, on the ash heap. You're sitting there. You've got pots it. You're scrapping yourself. And then his wife turns to him and says, just curse God and die. That's what a lot of preachers preach from the pulpits these days. If you're not blessed, if you're not wealthy, then you're not a... No, no, no. You just get away. There's no place for you in this church. You see these seats in the front there? There's $200. You can buy your chair for $200 if you, if, you want, if you want the good seats. The guys at the back, five bucks. That's fine. You can sit in the back. $200. There's no place in this church for that kind of preaching. Because I believe there's no place for that kind of preaching in the Word of God. But this is it. You see, he says, He who covers his sin will not prosper. And now let's finish this morning going back. Haggai, now that I've given you a little bit of that background. Now when we read this, look at this now. It, it will become clear to you now. In Haggai 2 verse 11 with these same people, which is the same as us, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts. Now ask the priests concerning the law. You know why the law was there? The law is a tutor. That's all. Nobody, nobody would keep the law 100% and go into heaven and enter into heaven. Only one could, and his name is Jesus Christ. And now he came to them and he says, Concerning the law, if anyone carries holy meat in his fold, and with the edge he touches brew or stew or anything, will it become holy? Now if I've got a, a glass here, full of water and full of mud, and it's brown, will we all say the water is unclean? Yes, it is. Because it's not clean. It's unclean water in there. It's dirty water. Will you take a drink from it? 
What if I say I went to, um, what, what is this plant down here at uh, Patterson Lake? <laughs> what do you call it? The um, salvage fire plant. What, what if I say to you I went there on the side of the water and there in the mud I picked some of that mud out, a little bit of that water and I come over here and say, will you have a drink? No, you say, no, man, that's dirty water, come on. And you could have done it with the river, not the salvage farm, you know, we all of... Okay, let me, let me not further explain, I think you get it. It's dirty water. Now, if I come in here and I take a glass of clean, crystal clean water and I throw it in there, and I keep on throwing it in, will it make that water clean? No. That's the concept here. That's the concept he's giving us. He says, if you walk around with holy beat in you and it touches everything, that's the clean water, the holy water. And you keep on throwing it in, keep on throwing it. doesn't matter with you, whether you've got 10 or 20 liters in a small glass, man, it's not going to make it clean because the uncleanness was first there. It's not going to make it clean. But then he says, the second part, he says, if, if one who is unclean because he... Uh, touches a dead body. Now let me just explain about that. If you go back into the laws of Deuteronomy and so on, there's a few things in the law which was unclean. That meant if these things happen, you had to become clean first. You need to wash a certain ritual to become clean. One of those was that if somebody died and you touched the body, you were deemed unclean. And you had to go and do a ritual wash. That's just what the Lord's put in for them to do. So that's why the priest immediately when he spoke about the dead and somebody touching the dead, that's immediately why they came and he said, it shall be unclean. If, if, if I touch a dead body and I touch you, that person is unclean. And he touched somebody else, that one is unclean. And that is what sin does. That's what sin does. Now, let me take that water again. Remember the first example, I show you first the dirty water and I try to put clean water in there unholiness and putting cleanness in there didn't work but let me turn it around and this is the way that he said there let's take that clean water crisp clear clean water and you can take a big sip it's all good safe and i take that dirty dirty water and i drop a few drops into that clean water is that unclean of course it is this is what he wants to say to them this is what he's saying to them and then he says, this is how this people is in front of me. And you know why? Because of unconfessed sin. Sin is still operating in them. And they think, if I can get busy with the work of God, slash, if I can just go on Sundays to church, and I go to the prayer meeting, and I read my Bible, if I can just do all of these things, it's like dirty, it's still unclean, but you keep on throwing good things in there. No, no, you need to wash the glass out. How do you do it? By the blood of the Lamb, by confessing your sins, by coming before the Lord. That's how you clean it out. Can you see the picture now? And now people think, look, we can keep on building the Lord's temple and we keep on building the Lord's temple. But there's a bigger message that sits here and it stares at everyone in this place. And this is the thing. They were busy building God's temple, yes? And it's a holy temple, isn't it? Why? Because God's going to live in the holy temple. But God doesn't want unclean hands building that temple. This is why He tells them that. Can you see it now? This is why He tells them. This is why He says, this is how you are. 
says the Lord. Every work of their hands, everything you do, what they offer is unclean. And now carefully consider from this day forward, before the stone was laid upon stone in the temple. God does not want uncleanness. Why? Because let me tell you this, brother and sister, God is a holy God and He will not allow unholiness in amongst Him. This is why you will not get into heaven if there's one small unholiness inside of you. Heaven is holy. Is this a serious message or what? I know I might be preaching this to the converted, but brothers and sisters, we need to hear this. We need to hear this. There's two aspects here. How do you clean this glass yard? You come to the cross, you come to Jesus, and you confess your sin, you fall down before Him, you say, wash this glass out, get rid of all of the nonsense inside of it. Clean me, clean me, Lord. So many people, they go and they build churches. They're in church. Oh, I'm going to church. I'm there every Sunday. I give the most money. Look, let me tell you, brother and sister, I might shock you. I don't care about your attendance in this church. I don't care how much money you put into the church. I don't care how much baking you bring. All I'm caring today is that you come to the Lord and say, Lord, wash this Wash this vessel. Wash me. Because otherwise, you might miss that holy place. That very same thing that you are building, you might miss. I can't be more serious about it. But I have to preach this. I'm not going to ask you to forgive me for preaching this. Because it's the Word of God. That's what I care the most. The most. Although I love every single person in this place. You have to hear this. Because I want to be in heaven one day and see you there. But remember, before every stone is laid upon stone, the hands must be clean. And now he continues, and I finish with this, if somebody wants to call my beautiful wife. In verse 16 he says, Since those days, when one came, a heap of 20 ephahs, look at this now, because he's telling them, he says, you can't be blessed. You're on your own. <laughs> Let me tell you one thing. I don't want to be in this world today on my own. If you want to, best of luck. I don't want to be alone in this world without God. And these people are on their own. If you want to continue with that filthiness in your life, continuing to miss the mark, continue not to confess, this is what happens. Look at this now. He says, when one came with 20 ephahs, this was the, the wheat, because 20, there were but 10. You see, again, we come back to where we started, so busy. 10. Then one came with wine, wet, and 50 baths of press, they were but 20. Stuck with bright and mildew, nothing of your hands. Consider now this day forward, consider this now, think about this, meditate from the 24th of the month, and give them a specific time from the day, the foundation of the temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day I will bless you. That's when we come and we humble ourselves. Lie on your face before the Lord and say, Father, I've got so much seed in the barn. That talks about the future. If you think about a seed, what do you do with a seed? Do you eat it? No, no. A seed is there to plant. For what? For tomorrow. For tomorrow. That's about the future. 
two messages. One, don't fret about tomorrow, but you come to the Lord. And He cleanses you. You confess to Him. You, you, you see what happens here. By doing that, you are planting seeds into the future. But it's still in the barn. It's still in the barn. But here is the great news, and I'll leave you with that this morning. This is, for me, beautiful news. Listen to this. He says, but, what does that word mean? That is our big theological word. Never forget that word. It means sharp contrast. And, and you know what he's contrasting up here? Don't get this missing here. He contrasts about missed opportunities. Years 20, it came down to 10. Years 50, it came down to 20. Missed opportunities. He talks about blight and mildew, hail and labors of the hand, yet there's nothing. He says nothing. That's missed opportunities. And he says, whoa, that's fine. We're not going to dwell on that. You come. Let me clean you. And here is the great thing now. He says, but from this day, this day, what will happen? I will bless you. I don't know about you, but I want the blessing of the Lord. Do you? Do you want the blessing of the Lord this morning? What a serious message. Would you say? What a serious message. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you don't read about God in comic books, do you? No, no, you read about God in this book. And this is a serious book. It's a love letter, I get that. But you know love hurts, don't you? Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this prophet who wrote these words down. And Father, even in this day, I know there's people who don't want to hear this message. In these days, there were people who didn't want to hear the message. We see the reaction of King Zerubbabel when he did that, Father, and, and Joshua, the high priest, Father. That's good. We're going to learn more from that next week, Father. But Lord, for now, I just pray, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak in your hearts, preach in your hearts, Lord. Convict our souls, Lord, that when we come to the point to confess to you, to stay in fellowship.